Every day at America's Card Room, players just like you are scoring big in record time with Jackpot Poker. Jackpot Poker is a super fast three-player online poker set and go. You pick the buy-in, and after all three players are seated, we randomly pick the jackpot. Yep, just three players. No more, no less. And for most jackpot poker tournaments, it's winner take all. Imagine turning a $40 buy-in into the ultimate $100,000 game of poker. Anything could happen with jackpot poker. Play it now at America's Card Room. Okay, welcome to Ask Alex, episode 135 on the OneHour.com podcast, sponsored by AmericasCardRoom.com. If you want 27% rate back from AmericasCardRoom.com, Simply sign up for your account by clicking on one of the adverts or banners on the OneOuter.com website. Follow us on Twitter at OneOuter.com and join the Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash OneOuter. This episode and all other previous episodes are on the OneOuter.com website and also via iTunes for free. If you want to send questions in for Alex on a future show, then please email questions at OneOuter.com or you can tweet them or post them in the Facebook group. Alex, episode 135, and through the Facebook grapevine, I can see you are in Las Vegas just now, so if you just want to tell people about what you've been up to for the last week and how Vegas is going. Hey guys, uh, it's good to be here. Uh, last uh, last week or so, uh, my girlfriend came through for uh, Memorial Day, so uh, that was really nice. We got to do... It was really interesting creating a Vegas trip for someone who had never been to Vegas before because I realized I could really make this city pretty magical in a way, but we we went to La Rev, and that that was a really nice show. Uh, It had a nice dinner at the Paris, uh, uh, what do you call it, the Eiffel Tower restaurant. Mm -hmm. Vegas was looking pretty classy, and then... Just for fun, we were out shopping. We went and we went to the oyster bar grill or whatever you call it at the Harrah's. And these, uh, well, uh, I saw a lady and a man come down the stairs, and they were talking and clearly fighting over something. Mm-hmm. And I had the idea: oh, someone's about to run out of Xanax, right? And uh, just because pill poppers are pretty common site here in the States. We have a real problem with prescription medication. And the way they were fighting, I could see, I I just thought I saw two junkies. Mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of junkies in my life, and maybe I assigned that label a little too quickly, but that's what I saw. Well, anyway, I guess one of them decided I want all the remaining Xanax and screw this girlfriend of mine, because the guy grabbed her first, yelled at her, shoved her, and then jumped over a barrier, and uh, he jumped over a barrier into the restaurant we were in, and, like, Jackie Chan, like, just knocked over the, the, the table and everything, ran into a family, ran into another family, and, look, if I thought this guy was a danger to somebody who couldn't defend themselves, I'm there, but... This is just a junkie running around. I don't know if this guy... In the United States, you don't know if the guy has a gun or not, right? Mm-hmm. And I, 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 you know, I said to my girl, like, let's just get out of here. She, 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 kept, she kept staring, and I, I... I'm at this point where if you see something like that, you can't... You, you gotta really 
know what you're doing if you're going to defuse it, right? And I didn't know what was up with this dude. And uh, anyway, I, I said in some more forceful terms, let's leave, which I, I just, I, I, I don't know. I just, I felt like the, the move there is to get out of the restaurant and let security do their thing. You don't really know what they're doing. Yeah. And uh, uh, the, I think also everybody thought, like, this was just some stranger and this guy stole her purse, in which case, yeah, somebody should try to stop him, but since I, literally a pill bottle came out of, I'm not making this up, a pill bottle came out of the purse, and I thought I saw the couple together, I was, you know, hey, I'm not getting in between these two, right? <laughs> it's, uh, I don't need to accidentally crack one of all y'all's heads, and then, this is a very litigious society, as somebody said. But yeah, anyway, the security guard comes up to me and goes, you know, what, why didn't you stop him? And I think he was joking, right? But uh, at the same time, I was I, I was thinking, hey, man, this isn't my casino to protect. <laughs> like, I didn't, I was just trying to have lunch here. And then, uh, you know, I wanted to say to somebody, you know, hey, the next time someone tries to tackle my girl during lunch, could you, could you guys mind comping the meal? Because that, that doesn't exactly look that good. But it, it's just funny how insane this city is, right, Barry? Yeah, well, I mean, the thing is, you hit on it there, in America, the guy could have anything, you know, a gun in it. Like, what's the point in getting it? What's the upside there? You know, like, nothing. You know, so. Right, and I, I'm, uh, I, I've been at a club where a guy pulled out a gun and fired, and I really realized in that moment how cheap life is mm -hmm. and so when I see and that was over something like I'm not jo joking like over 40 bucks worth of weed or something like it, or something really stupid I, I saw that people are ready to die for stupid things mm -hmm. and that's always had me a little on edge and yeah in the states you really don't know but nine times out of ten it's one of those things like I don't know it if I saw a guy just, like, steal a lady's purse and he's just running, like, by all means, go ahead and grab the guy. If the guy, if the guy looks like he's on PCP and he's charging around like a bull, it looks like he could possibly run through the door. Yeah. Uh, now, I, now I'm kind of thinking, uh, <laughs> let's see, there's about 20 guys that are about really big coming in that have security uniforms. I don't think I'm going to really contribute here. Uh, what would you do there, Barry? I, I don't think anybody knows until you're in the situation. It purely depends, I think, on your mood and your state and everything as well at the moment. You know, it's like, I rationally now, like, I would just, I'd either stay there and not get involved or I'd just get up and leave. You know, it's like, it's not worth yeah. it. You know, it's like, yeah, it's not, it's, it's not worth it. Well, we, uh, Carlos brought up the point, there was a, you also, you really need to know what you're doing in that situation. If you if you go in there without training, as far, it, it, as far as, I think EMTs and police, the police have to study to prevent somebody who's, I, I thought was on drugs, when they're wiling out, right? Like, there, there's an actual procedure you're supposed to use. 
and I, you know, I don't know what that is, right? And I'm thinking, what, what am I going to do? Subdue this guy with my sick MMA skills? What? It's not just that. It's like America, like you see, a really bad for. You know, you you could bottle the guy, get him down, and he could sue you. <laughs> it's like, you know, yeah, and that couple never has to worry about buying Xanax again. Yeah. I'll be getting it for the rest of their lives. That's it. So yeah, I think the lessons just don't get involved. If you you know if he comes over and starts with you or your girlfriend, well, that's a different scenario. You got to do it. But like as the innocent bystander, nah, I think especially America, like fuck that. <laughs> yeah, well. Well, my thought was, this is junkie BS, right? This is just two junkies fighting, and, yeah, I'm not, not worth it. Like, again, if a real, if I thought a real purse had been stolen, I guess, it's not, I guess it becomes your responsibility to do something, because you would hope somebody would do that uh, for a woman in your life in the same situation, and most likely the purse snatcher is just an opportunistic guy, he's not dangerous. If you tackle him, you probably got him. And, but, yeah, I just, anyway, I didn't mean to get off on that, Jag, for too long. Vegas is amazing, but I thought that was so funny. Yeah, apart from apart from junkies at war on, like, a cop special or something, um, <laughs> Vegas has been good, and you've been having a good time. Have you been playing much, anything to speak oh, yeah, of with man. the poker? Yeah, man, sorry I keep talking over you. There's a bit of a, I, I think there's a bit of a delay uh, on the, uh, yeah, on the Flamingo line. Yeah, I've been having, I love Vegas. Now that I've lost 50 pounds, it doesn't feel as hot here as it used to always feel. Yeah. I used to hate Vegas because I would walk outside for, five minutes and I'd be drenched in sweat. I, I was what now that I lived in Bullhead City, Bullhead City is ten degrees hotter than Vegas at all times. Mm. So we've been de- not at all times, but most of the time. So we've been dealing with hundred and five heat. I'm sorry, I have no idea what that is in Celsius. Me neither. Uh, huh? Me neither. Okay, yeah, so it, it's it's effing hot, right? And uh, it's the desert. And then you come out to Las Vegas and it's slightly fresher, so that's been nice. And uh, it, it, it's a fun city. There's a lot to do here. You just—it was really interesting. Uh, uh, my girl and I went to the Mafia Museum here, and there was a guy saying the thing you got to recognize about Las Vegas is it—it's a city where people come looking for a second chance. Mm-hmm. And uh, he. Uh, a guy didn't say it exactly like that, but that's what I extrapolated it from when they were discussing how organized crime took root in the city. And I'd never really heard anything that well said about Vegas. It is people looking for a second chance or people trying to look to make a buck. And that just, it attracts a certain type of person. It's not a bad person per se. It just gives the environment a certain feel. But yeah, uh, Vegas is amazing. Uh, the girl's a keeper because she liked the Pinball Hall of Fame. So, you know, and I've decided that's where I'm going to have my, uh, my, when I win an event out here, that's where we're having the party. It's going to look like a Chuck E. Cheese party. Uh, you don't even know what Chuck E. Cheese is, do you, Barry? A uh, fa- fast food place. Uh, it's, a, it's a place where they set up a bunch of arcade games and pizza. It's typically for kids. Uh, anyway, yeah, uh, Pinball Hall of Fame, far out. 
And uh, poker's awesome here. Uh, the Americans are as angry as always. <laughs> and uh, I had a guy raise under the gun plus two yesterday. I three bet. He called. Uh, okay, now let me see if I got this right. I three bet for value with ace-10 offsuit, middle position. And uh, older gentleman cold called me from the small blind. I said, okay. And uh, the first guy called me. Let me see if I got this right, because I feel like I must be telling this story wrong, because it's so funny. Uh, board comes 5-4-3. They both check to me, and I do a very small bet, because if they both have just over cards, they're going to go ahead and fold. And they don't know it, but they have a pretty good equity share with just over cards in the pot. So if I could get them to fold that out, that's nice. Uh, they both call. Good read, Alex. And uh, <laughs> the turn comes an ace. Uh Gentleman number one checks to me. Uh, the second guy, the, the raise caller, pre-flop, he checks to me. Uh, I have ace-10, so I bet for value uh, a, a smaller bet in a, a bit to buy the showdown. This is a concept we're talking about with Master the Flop. Uh, it, what I just did with my Master the Flop videos is I got all these conceptual videos done. Now we're going to do a lot of hand histories uh, specifically on each flop because... To differentiate Master the Flop between my other projects, I had to do much more work than I expected. And, uh, yeah, first we discuss, you know, overall concepts to go into that. But one of them I always discuss, and it comes up in Master the Flop, is buying the showdown, which is you bet on the turn to get money from the draws as opposed to checking back and trying to collect the value bet on the river because on the turn, many people will just never check raise you as a bluff. Like, if I get check raised later, someone has pocket twos. And it's totally fine to fold. So, anyways, I bet first guy goes all in for not much more. And I go, well, I guess I ran into a little something, but I probably got him beat. And the second guy calls, and now there's this huge pot out there, and I just have one pair, and I go, geez, right? And uh, the river's an offsuit something. or It's the jack, let's say, right? And uh, the guy checks me. I check behind. He shows 6-8 suited, and the other guy shows 7-8. So they both had an 8 high, Mm. and I won this huge pot. And then the guy turns to me and goes, you know, now I know you 3-bet with ace-10. That was the worst play in that entire hand. (laughs) Really? I mean, by the way, he's not even trying to be rude. That's just how Americans talk to each other. I guess Americans are a little more direct. Mm-hmm. I, I, he's, I didn't even think he... That would be kind of a weird thing to... Would that be a weird thing to say in Scotland? At a, uh, at a, no, I've seen that sort of stuff. No, but like it would be like a joke, right? I didn't feel like the guy was joking. Yeah, he yeah, really, yeah. It's, it, suppose no. it depends on the players, but nah, there'll be... Pe- I've seen people in Scotland like that as well that want to comment on every every little bit of hand and say it's yeah. a bad play and stuff as well. No, they, they are in Scotland as well. But okay, maybe, yeah. maybe not as frequent. I feel, I feel like when I was in Montreal, if they did bring up something like that, it was in the form of a joke. Oh, yeah, pretty, yeah. The majority would be that as well, yeah. Yeah, in, in America, we don't really joke. We kind of... I, I, well, we do joke, but I feel like it's much more acceptable at the Venetian or at the poker tables just to outright criticize someone. And that... That always strikes me as odd, especially when it's uh, a lady or an older gentleman or something. But yeah, anyway, I'm I'm totally 
I, I don't care. I just to give you an example of how it goes in America, there's a a little bit more bickering uh, for the viewers at home. It seems, I mean, the listeners at home. It seems there's much more bickering at the table. But I just, I love it out here, Barry. God, I'm just so happy to play cards. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it, it, it's my day job is so intense with the teaching. Poker's now a really nice break. <laughs> it's really relaxing to play yeah. live just watch people just watch people and their little tendencies and what they're thinking and yeah, it's, it's really fun do you do you get relaxed when you go play live poker now or is it yeah still like a- no i mean i played live when was it last not last weekend but the weekend before and then um, played a local tournament and got quite a good run and it finished 12th and had a had a percentage we switched pieces uh, with a guy that ended up chopping it heads up so that was good as well um, but yeah, I really, really enjoyed it, and I played a little bit of live poker and kind of hated it um, for a while. <laughs> but um, not not hated it. It was just like you know, I am definitely more relaxed, a uh, better player, and enjoy the whole experience more when I'm playing live. You know. Oh, um, I think I, I, I win, I think win or lose, win or I, lose. I think you meant to say I played online poker and you hated it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I think you said live poker the first time. Just All right, no, no, I played online, and as I say, I, I don't, I not hated it. I think, I think the key thing is, online poker. I kind of really only enjoy it when I'm winning, right? Right, and, right. Uh, live poker, I'll enjoy it whether I'm winning or losing. Like I'll still walk out happy playing. I, I just, I get more from live poker, you know, personally. I, I do as well. I it really helps me. I guess, I guess focus my ADD, my ADHD or whatever they call it. it it's and by the way, all of this crap is so overdiagnosed. I I don't think there's anything wrong with me, but I'm a little sped up, and poker poker really calms me down, and I really enjoy it. it, it, it there's online I've been liking more. I final table to ten k. On, <laughs> uh, on the other night, and uh, th- that was pretty fun, and j- just grinding it out has been really nice. And th- the thing I like about online is I get to try out my theories over and over and over again, and I can do it in such small tournaments. A, a twenty dollar tournament, people will take very seriously. So you you can try out your ideas and see sh- does this work? Does that work? And it's remarkable for research purposes right now because all the people I'm playing with recently are the guys I play at, at with the WCP. So mm-hmm. it's and yeah, I'm trying to get set up on WCP.com and get 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 a little bit more used to that player base before the event. Yeah. Uh, but there's God, there's been a bunch of educational moments here. Uh, let, let me give you one, Barry. Uh, let me give you one hand from. Uh, one of the first two days. Let's see how you do on it, okay? Oh, God. I love these. On you go. <laughs> <laughs> kid, okay, a kid who three-bet four-deuce suited in the very first hand and one getting runner-runner. He opens under the gun to 400. Blinds are 75, 150. Mm-hmm. You're five-handed. Comes around to you on the button. It, it, the tournament literally started like 20 minutes ago. Comes around to you. You have about... Uh, 18,000. You have pocket tens mm-hmm. uh, on the button. So, 
What do you generally like to do there, Barry? Did you say five-handed? Five-handed, yeah. It was the beginning of the tournament. They A bunch of people hadn't taken their seat. Okay, and the guy that's four bet, two four uh, off got there, he's uh, raised it, like 3x, did you say? Four, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I, I three bet there. Actually, I, I wouldn't. I would, in the early stages of a tournament there, I would probably just call with tens there. I would probably just call. So anyway, I three bet because that's the vastly more uh, profitable play. But good try, Barry. No. Uh, anyway, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, it's uh, you can flat there, but generally it's going to be more profitable to three bet. Uh, but you have to know what you're doing, and I agree. If you don't really want to, I I had planned to flat the four bet if you four bet, but if you don't really know what you want to do to a four bet, it's better to flat. Yeah, but. Well, I was just Any, thinking if you three bet and he four bets, yeah, you're going to be flattened, and then the guy that's playing two four. I mean, I I don't know what yeah, I don't know how you put him on anything anyway. Even you know when he's flattened, it's like you know. Well, so anyway, well, I'll, I'll I'll tell you how I got out of this one. I was pretty proud of this, so I make it one thousand. Comes around to him, he looks really really serious, and he goes to two point four k, and he looks a little different than when I saw him bluffing with the four deuce suited. So. I think we already discussed. We we should flat. So I I, I flat, uh, thinking okay, I one point four k to crack aces, kings, queens, or jacks. I I can deal with that. And there's also going to be a lot of boards where I can call down. So I have about sixteen k left. Mm-hmm. Board comes eight of diamonds, seven of diamonds, seven of hearts. I I don't have the ten of diamonds in my hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, he leads for three k. What's your move, Barry? By the way, you, there's no chance you will get the correct answer because I did not know the correct answer for a really long time. It's eight seven seven two diamonds that you said, yeah. and you got tens. Sixteen k left. Yeah. Uh, um, no, I'm 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 raising them there rather than just. Flat. Okay, so you, you raise because you think he has a really wide four betting range. I have been posing this. I have been posing this question. To every one of my students, because I feel I got this hand right, and this is one hand I have I used to get wrong all the time, which was what percentage of the time when a guy four bets there and then C bets on the flop so small, what percentage of the time is he betting the turn? Nah, I don't know. Depends on the guy. <laughs> Depends on the guy. Let's say a typical guy in Las Vegas. 20, 20, 25 years old. Oh, I, I don't know. Real, what's really, really high to fire the turn after that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. 50, 60, 70 percent. Yeah, I was going to say like 60 percent or something. But yeah. Okay, so this is a great example of like it, it just giving somebody 3,000 chips. This is a fantastic example of so many people go there. I have an overpair of those draws. I call. No plan for the turn. If you have no plan for the turn, you have no business calling there. Are are you going to stack off? What cards are you going to stack off on? Yeah. Something you need to know. And if you don't know these hands, so you decide to you decide to force the issue. That that's a really common uh, play. A lot of people do. I also think that's a great way to maximize your losses because versus ace kings and queens, he's just going to he's just going to call, and you're dead to two outs. 
with Ace King offsuit, Ace Queen offsuit, he's just folding. So there, there is a good time to do that, Barry. Which is it, the guy's four betting range is King Jack offsuit, just a bunch of junk. Uh, I don't know if we know enough in order to do that, but that could be a really good play. It could be a bad one. The way out of this is you talk to the guy, just say anything. So we had a, I had no idea what to do for 70 seconds. I was thinking through turn cards and what I would do. It occurred to me, I didn't know where the guy was from, and I just said to him really earnestly, are you British? And he, he kind of chuckled and went, what the hell? No, I'm from Florida. Now what, what do you think he now what do you think he has, Barry? <laughs> uh, well, if he, I'd need to see um, if he was comfortable and stuff. I mean, he could quite he easily looked, have a seven uh, as he well. Comfortable. He looked pretty comfortable. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think he's probably. I don't think he's folding. Put it that way. So what do you do? You just fold. Yeah, exactly. I, I folded. He showed aces. Yeah. We just saved our tournament. Didn't even seem like much of a hand, right? Uh-huh. It's a, it, it, it's really getting the guy to talk or bring, bringing up, taking a little time and thinking through the situation. Just that one, that one was pretty lucky. You know, a lot of there's a reason a lot of business people do well in life. Poker and business, you have to gauge the other person very quickly, and that people skill, find, figuring out when somebody's tense and when somebody is not, that will really help you at the poker table. And sometimes if we don't rush ourselves, we can get a bit of a view for the guy. And that's not that's something I would have never known how to... I didn't know how to feel my way through that hand for a very long time, but it, it was... It's been very rewarding playing the last couple of days. Because well, it's, so it's tough. You get hung up on the ease four bet with two four off as well. You know, you could have... Anything there, you know, he could have, he could exactly. have five six, he could have nothing, you know, like Jack that, High, whatever. So that's why I use the hypothetical. I was, I was thinking of making this a hand. Uh, well, it, it, that's why I use the hypothetical. By the way, if you ever do lessons with me, I have that. That one's kind of a specialized hypothetical because the answer is a trick question. But I put people into a lot of hypotheticals, and that that actually reveals more than anything, how they think about the game, and that's how you can quickly fix somebody's game and mm-hmm. get, them, get them out of the mm-hmm. uh, Let's answer a few questions. Yeah, before. let's get into questions. Um, okay. I know you got a lesson, uh, speaking of lessons after this. Um, okay, let me see. Let's just do them in the order that they're in. Uh, Thomas, I have two questions. Oh, no. Thomas, we're going to leave you to next week because you've got two questions. I just read that there. Okay. <laughs> uh, sorry, Thomas. You'll be on the next episode. All right. First one is from Raymond. Hello. I thought I would get in touch to see if you could help me with the question that's been bugging me. When playing in live tournaments, can you talk about some situations where I should be bluffing rivers or even check-raise bluffing rivers? I know this is a wide question, but I noticed that when I do it, I decided just at the turn what I was going to do if certain cards didn't hit. So if you could discuss some good spots where I should maybe think about bluffing. Thanks. Well, my rule with... uh, Thank you for your question, by the way. My rule with uh, river bets in live poker... He specifically said live, right? Um, Yeah. Yeah, in, in live poker, I find... 
when you there's a lot of times let, let's say the board comes 997 I see that and the guy calls and I I, I believe he's most likely ha, has a 7 uh, just based on the way he called he didn't time bank that long sometimes people need to they need to think a little bit with a 9 so that helps me know they have a 9 there Maybe they didn't three bet free flop, which would make me think they have tens, jacks, queens, kings, or aces. So I'm sitting there looking at that board, and I'm saying, this guy's got 10, 8. This guy's got 8, 6. Uh, or this guy's got a 7. So the turn's a queen. And, and in my mind, oh, okay, this is a triple barrel hand. Uh, because generally a seven's not going to give up on the turn queen, but it is going to give up on the river. So that would be something I do online quite often. Live, I don't do it as much. The reason being, let's say the board runs out queen-jack. Uh, th that's fine. This is, this is a good board to triple barrel bluff in my mind. So you go bet that. If the guy is 7-6 and he wants to call you, if he calls and you turn over a hand, he, nobody has to see his hand. Even if somebody says, I want to see that hand, he can throw the hand into the muck as fast as possible. By the way, a very bad uh, that, that's very bad manners, kids. Don't, don't do that. Both of those are really bad in terms of etiquette, asking to see another person's hand when there's been no evidence of collusion, and also throwing your hand into the muck when you've been made to show it. Uh, don't do either of those things, but you could do either of those things, right? So there's a lack of embarrassment when it comes to calling, and more than that, there's a, the cool feeling you get with tabling a seven here when you're right. So a lot of people can't resist that siren song of the elusive hero call. And they just, they, they end up calling a little bit more. So that, that's an example of a triple barrel bluff I'd run online that I probably won't live. Uh, just especially, especially to anyone who looks as if, as strange as this sounds, Anyone who looks insecure with themselves. If, if there's somebody just not really bathing well or not really taking care of themselves or <laughs> just young and angry, like, they're not going to fold because they really need that validation. I'm not – it sounds really mean, but that's kind of how I separate them in my mind. It, well, if it's a guy – here's the thing. If it's a guy who's 41, really nice watch, a good, a good button up, seems pretty cheerful – if he's got a seven there, he can fold on the river. He's okay with folding. It doesn't. It's no sweat off of his back. He, he doesn't care. He, he just goes, eh, guess my seven's not good. Okay, I'll fold. And online, pretty much everybody does that because there's no real, there's no real social, it, it doesn't really do anything for you when you call and you're right. And if you're wrong, everybody can click on the hand history tab and see your hand and go, oh, this knucklehead called with a seven. The only time they have to show the seven in my hypothetical is if they were right live. So, yeah, if, I, if, the, guy, yeah, if the guy looks a little insecure with himself, I assume he wants to feel good through the poker table. And uh, one way to do that is to hero call somebody. So, yeah, that, that's an example of a bluff I wouldn't run. Uh, Let's see, what else? I do like overbets quite a bit more live because they, I get to look like an idiot when I overbet. Everybody just... Uh, you've went really quiet there, Alex. How about now? Can you hear me? Yeah, I hear you now. Perfect, yeah. Okay. 
Uh, Overbet, I really like quite a bit. And uh, Overbetting is definitely something I really enjoy much more in a live setting because there's a bit of a social stigma against it. If the, if the pot is 1,200 chips and I see that 1,500, mm-hmm. everybody's just going to say, wow, what an idiot. And they yeah. pulled, I saw hey, that recently. <laughs> yeah? Yeah, <laughs> I saw someone do it. Someone, like, the pot was, you know, like 1,500 or something. This old guy just threw, like, 2,000 and said 2,000. And people yeah. stood for, like, two minutes, like, what's that meant to be? Well, what's that? And then just folded their hand, you know? It's like... <laughs> Generally, what they do, and I like to do it with a combination of sets and big draws, mm-hmm. and just nothing uh, once in a while. And it, so you think there's an overbed, and the guy shoves on you. You have a set. He doesn't really know what to do from that point on. And if you overbed, and you have the flush draw. Uh, obviously, quite a few cards that can help you. And uh, if just one time you table a big flush that you made with overbeds, you can keep bluffing those cards in the future. Poker's like a game of rock, paper, scissors that never ends. It's really fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I guess it was specifically bluffs I don't like. I think that would be the most specific okay. thing I look for. It's just those one pair hero polish call downs happen much more in a live setting. Okay. And uh, next question is from Jeff. Hey guys, my question for you when you can manage is can we 3-bet fold from a 16 to 20 big blind stack? Not jamming, but make it like 6 to 7x to a 2 to 3x raise. Can we do this light as a bluff here to represent a really big hand or even with a mediocre hand that we can then fold to a 4-bet shove? The reason that I ask is that I find shoving 20 big blinds as a steal very high swings, especially in my local tournament here. Thank you for your question. My first thought when you ask that is immediately, yes, there are situations where you can free that fold from that stack, but what I was thinking of is guy, I, guy you've been free betting the daylight out of opens, uh, you have nines, and you know he's shoving on you with anything. So from 21 big blinds, you make it 5x. And then uh, old man winner who hasn't touched a hand uh, in 20 years. So <laughs> yeah. Uh, and <laughs> it comes around to you. Yeah, you can you can you can fold there. Like that's fine. Should you be three bet folding regularly from a six or seven x stack? No, I, I don't think that's a good idea. Six, I mean, sixteen or six, yeah. Twenty five big blind stack, fifteen mm. big blind stack, the six or seven big blinds. There was a time I did find that play to be very, very good. I, ma- I made a video called "Why the Sagno Is Right." The Sagno at that time was doing a number of plays like that. I would do the math and I'd find he was risking seven big blinds when eight big blinds would need to work. 48, 46% of the time, whatever it is. And uh, I, I was looking at people in that situation. They didn't fold some of the time. They didn't fold most of the time. They folded all the time. Mm-hmm. They had ace-jack offsuit. They didn't want to move all in on him because they thought he was just trapping them with aces, so they would fold ace-jack. So if you're opening next next to everything and you're not getting it in necessarily with ace-jack, you're, you're, you're race-folding a good 75-plus percent of the time, in which case... The segment was just clearing profit left and right. At some point, this broke down, which is why I don't 
advocated as much anymore. And uh, but and why it, do you think that did break there? Uh, I I think I think it gets him in the lexicon. The more people, more poker coaches discuss it. The more Pisagno gained influence. People started seeing this as a play that could possibly be used. Mm-hmm. And it, it's also a very simple play. Simple plays are very easy for the populace to get. The populace does not understand check calling the flop to check raising the turn out of position from the big blind defending versus the 2.2x. The general populace understands, oh, everybody else falls from the big blind. I can too. That's about, the de- that's about as far as most people get. Mm-hmm. So if they understand they can read that full from 25x, that's a really simple thing. I just told you that you could do that in five seconds with that sentence. It's a very easy thing to transfer to somebody else, whereas when you're working with flops, turns, and rivers, it gets infinitely more complex. Uh, to the point, I didn't really realize how complex it gets until I, I started making this master flop video and scrapping thing after thing after thing because there's just so many boards and so many bad ways to look at it. Yeah. Whereas pre-flop, you have two cards. Pre-flop, you have two cards. It's a very simple game. Uh, on the flop, five cards infinitely more combinations. Uh, it, yeah, it's uh, get, getting down to that nitty-gritty. That's why I always tell people study flop play. Study, you know, learn how to play cash. Uh, I think if you want to get as fast, at, good at poker as fast as possible, I play heads-up cash. Uh, I would play six-max dash. I learned so much from six-max because all your money really comes from saving the big blind, uh, being constructive from the small blind, thrashing people from the big blo- uh, from the button, stealing as many buttons as possible from the cutoff, and uh, your early position is not really your early position play is not going to make your profit margins. If you can get really good at six max play, you will become a very good villain and hold'em player. Uh, but you have to get good at flops, turns, and rivers. You absolutely must get good at flops, turns, and rivers because yeah, the the short stack. Uh, uh, the short stack stuff is easier to share with somebody, so it, get, it gets around a little bit more. And uh, okay, I guess we should do another question, right? Okay, we got ten minutes left because Alex is on a tight schedule today. Uh, someone's away to get a lesson. Um, I don't mean that like cryptically either. So he's away <laughs> to give someone a lesson, you know. Um, Alex, do you think you could handle one... No, I'm just going to set you. This is a good way to get it concise. Okay, this is the last question for today. And Alex is going to answer it and then do his plug in a minute at the end. And we're going to wrap it up. Alright, this one is from Mark. Hey guys, what would you say is the three most critical things that would determine whether someone could become a successful poker player in the game today? Thanks for taking my question and I love your show. That's a really good question. Uh, The three things I think you need to make it in poker today, the first one that came to my head is stubbornness. I really, you need to be intelligent to succeed at poker, but I I don't find intelligence to be a really great marker of who's going to be successful in this game. I've met really, really talented and intelligent people who came into poker who, they just weren't motivated because, well, perhaps they could make more doing something else and maybe that meant more to them. So I guess that would lead into number two, which is you have to have love of the game. Uh, you really have to just love playing cards. 
if you do not love this, you should not do it because it's it's not worth the money, quite frankly. There there are times, you know, of course there is the top, there's the black swan, there's the top 0.1%, that makes quite a bit of money. Mm -hmm. uh, most guys like me, just working class pros, we make a decent amount, but you could, you could make a similar amount of money in a, quite a few other jobs uh, with far less stress, far less work. It's 99 times out of 100, it's a better idea to get your college education than it is to become a professional poker player because it is just that competitive. But if you just love the game, if you love walking into a room and seeing 300 guys trying to solve the exact same game that you busted your ass to learn, and you, you're, you're going to take them out, if that's just what you love, it's, re it's really, this game's really the best. Mm -hmm. The, the third thing, I think, this is my personal one, it's probably the one most people will disagree with, is you you got to have a love for freedom. It, it, your real salary from poker is the freedom to do what you want. So that, that could mean you have other projects on the side that are getting close to that, That's always been the case in my life. What that makes me do is when I do show up for poker, I study it much more. I really other things I want to do with the money, whereas when I didn't really have that, when it was just poker, poker, poker all the time, and I, I didn't really see my salary was the freedom that gave me to do what I wanted to do in my life. I just wasn't as motivated. I wasn't as So, yeah, I guess those would be the three things I, I, I would go to, but this is something I've learned a little bit more talking with Carlos Welch. It, it's really the real salary poker is you get to do what you want to do. Uh, you get to travel to where you want to travel to. You get to you, you get to work remotely. Uh, those things are not possible in most jobs. If that sounds really good to you, great. And average salary is 40000 a year. If you heard that and you said, wow, that's a lot to do exactly what I love, then you've got a good chance. If you said, oh, that's not enough, then it's not enough. And uh, stubbornness is a really big deal. You have to, and you can't get angry about it. It's uh, if you don't put in enough work before the big score, one of the worst things that could happen is getting a big score. Because if you get a big score and you don't, if you don't know how to manage a small amount of money, it's not going to be that likely you're going to know how to manage a large amount of money. Yeah. So you have to get used to working with a small bankroll, making it. And if you're not going to enjoy studying once you get to the, if you don't enjoy studying when you're playing $20 MTTs, you're not going to enjoy studying once you move up into the higher six tournaments. So take that time in the trenches for what it is, a really good education, and it, just try to enjoy every minute of it. And I guess that's what I mean a bit more from Stubbornness. Stubbornness sounds a little bit more negative, but you you really have to have tenacity. You have to you have to just want this. You you, you have to really want it. You have to really love the game. And if, if you can do that, I I, I think you can make it. Yeah. I'm just going to read out something that um will will fit good here. And I'm going to if it's about becoming a full time trader, I'm going to substitute full time investor trader for poker player. And uh, see what you think. I think people will get something good from it. Um, the first step to becoming a full-time poker player 
is realising money is about freedom, not consumption. The freedom you gain when you become a full-time poker player is worth a hundred times the income you lose when you leave your job. The motivation isn't greed, but having the time to pursue your passion or purpose. You're never going to be great at something you do part-time. You need to see what you are fully capable of without restriction. I agree with that, but one of the smartest people I ever met said lock up 100% of your profits as soon as you can so you can bust your ass and feel good about it. Yeah. And it seems, seems that quote really echoes it. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it, it's, yes, it's very much about the freedom. It's not being told what to do. By the way, there's nothing wrong with having a salaried position. There's certainly been a number of times in my career where I thought, wow, I really should have gone to college and gotten a health care plan and a good job with benefits because paying out of pocket for your own health insurance, paying out of pocket for a hundred things is not fun. But if you love the freedom, if you have to do the things in life that you want to do, I, I think you do need to go into business for yourself. That might not be poker. Poker is a really tough way to do it. But mm. It's a, it's a really fun way, in my opinion. It's not as fun to others as it is to me uh, sometimes, but I think it's a really fun way to do it. But, yes, I, I do think you need to go into business for yourself. Yeah. Okay, and uh, we got there we got four minutes left. Um, Alex, if you could tell people how to get in touch with you for private lessons, Master the Flop stuff that's coming soon, and anything else you can think of that you want to sort of wind it down with then go ahead the, the, the floor is yours and I will not interrupt you well uh, uh, you guys can write me at alex at pokerheadrush.com if you want to talk to me about private lessons it is my it is not necessary oh uh, you've went really quiet alex on your plug well that's alright it's this Vegas <laughs> hotel internet I'm guessing I'm sure they've heard an assassinato plug before. I'm going to come them and say they have. Uh, you can go, go ahead and write me at alex and pokerheadrush.com uh, if you want to talk to me about private lessons or anything. I do respond to all my emails personally. Uh, because of that, sometimes I'm playing and I don't get back to them in a few days. So do, do get, give me a bit of a grace period to get back to you. Uh, Master the Flop videos are coming out. We, we have about four Master the Flop videos done already. They were all conceptual. Uh, they were really, uh, I wanted to get them out. I wanted to get the ball rolling. And quite frankly, due to, due to technical issues, they didn't look as good as I'd like. But the concepts, I, I'm just loving. And now we're about to start. I have the entire thing written. I got it all written in Canada. I was going to come back to Bullhead City and record it. And... My microphone just didn't work with my main computer, which is really fun because I had to do all the audio editing, but uh, you're going to love this. I found an abandoned diner in the Flamingo where I can record everything in the back. It's a literal abandoned diner. It's the coolest thing ever that they stopped making it, and yeah, you can still go there and work. So I have a nice quiet place to work and all the PowerPoint's done, so those are going to come out uh, pretty much any day. I'm not playing until 2 a.m., uh, we're gonna, I'm going to be putting those out. And once we're done with Master the Flop, there's going to be a hundred question. This is going to be cool. What do you think of this, Barry? It's a hundred question test. And you don't get the answers live like you did in Test Your Poker. You actually send me an answer sheet and I give you a grade. 
and it is possible to get an A if you pay attention. Uh, but yeah, I thought it, I thought that'd be fun. That way, if you apply to a backing group, I can go, yeah, you got a B plus, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, uh, that's coming. Uh, if you guys have questions about that, uh, you go ahead and uh, write in. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Check out, check out my new articles on America's Card Rooms blog. And if you want to sign up for my newsletter, go to PokerHeadRush.com. And uh, yeah, just sign up on the top right. Okay. And Alex has got a minute to spare to go and bathe himself uh, so he doesn't become one of the people that he spoke about earlier uh, before his next lesson. <laughs> and, uh, okay, thanks for listening. Keep your questions coming in for next week. Questions at oneouter.com and we will get round to them. And Thomas, the guy, that's two shows I've held your question up for. You Because it, you have asked two, so you know you, you can put up with it. We will get to you next week. Uh, keep your questions coming in. Until then, thanks for listening and cheers. Cheers. Every day at America's Card Room, players just like you are scoring big in record time with Jackpot Poker. Jackpot Poker is a super fast three-player online poker set and go. You pick the buy-in and after all three players are seated, we randomly pick the jackpot. Yep, just three players. No more, no less. And for most jackpot poker tournaments, it's winner take all. Imagine turning a $40 buy-in into the ultimate $100,000 game of poker. Anything could happen with jackpot poker. Play it now at America's Card Room.